When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Herd at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. All right, guys, top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream. Robbie Lula in the chair for DB just for today. And DB is out at football practice. They've had the early morning days this week because of the heat wave that's come through. You know, I'm curious even tomorrow, Robbie, did you look at the temperature? Like, are they going to extend that into tomorrow? Because it's supposed to be a high of 100 tomorrow. Yeah, I, I don't know. It still might be like a – It's still tomorrow still feels like a morning day. It's supposed to be basically the same thing as right. today. Right, but at the same time, like, I get why they would want to practice in the afternoon Yeah. because you don't want to just then have – like, what do you do on Friday? Like, a walkthrough? Like, do you – well, so they're playing Friday, right? So maybe tomorrow yeah. is their walkthrough. Which is fine, but I meant like, okay, so say you go tomorrow morning. Yeah. And then you have like over 24 hours until yeah. you play the game. So I'm like, how do you like wonder- get them back into the mojo? Because if you practice in the afternoon, so you yeah. practice from like, you know, four to six, whatever yeah. it is. Well, then you know like, okay, at least we're playing tomorrow night. Yeah. And it's, it matches up more than, hey, you practice in the morning. Now you have a lot of time off. Maybe you do another walk through Friday morning, and that's what that that's yeah. what I was kind of maybe just do like wondering. a walk through or light I tomorrow. I could be, I, they could just practice tomorrow morning and then be like, all right, we're good for Friday. Yeah, I don't know. I have uh, no idea. So curiosity, uh, what is it like? Curi- what's it Ki- with the killed, cat? Killed the cat. Killed the cat. Yeah. I was gonna say like something like bite or strikes, and I'm like, that doesn't sound <laughs> I right. I don't think that's right. BC, what's up, man? Oh, BC, I can't hear you. Is think, Shane, is that I on our end? On mute. Or somebody on mute? I don't know. Bueller? Yeah, it looks good on this side. Anybody? Bueller. <laughs> that is funny. That's nice, nice work there, Robbie. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, we still don't have his audio. Yep. Working through, working through the techno, technical issues. Still can't hear. Uh, Got it. I fixed BC. it. Oh, it's, our, it's on our end. BC, now talk. My bad. Do you hear me now? Yeah, yeah there right. we go. BC's like, I know I plugged everything in right. <laughs> He's a smart no, guy. It wasn't my fault. Is that what it was Shane's fault. It I was know. Shane's sorry. fault. He owned it. He owned it. That, sorry, that is man. what Matt Rule loves, man. Yeah. Accountability. Accountability. Love it. That's right. <laughs> BC, what's I'm, up, man? Uh, not a lot. I, I'm, I like Shane, by the way, so that's just me messing with him. But, uh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, things are good. Um, what do we got to talk about? We got things, right? Only eight days till football. Eight yeah, now. eight days, and we talked at least in the the early parts of the seven o'clock hour that there's also more college football games this weekend that are kind of yeah. just getting slept on because all we care about is eight days away. Yeah, uh, it's kind of nice that Nebraska voids that uh, week zero, not just because they're zero and two in them, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it will enjoy a little Notre Dame, um, Navy, and then Louisiana Tech is uh, playing late, so those. People who are real nerds can do their scouting report on a Husker non-con opponent late at night. 
Now, <laughs> BC, you've been <laughs> BC, you've been around this team for such a long time now. I'm sure that you just can't wait to talk to a coach or a player after a game at this point. Um, but w as you kind of went, went through fall camp with this team, what is the energy like in the room eight days out? Um, yeah, it's always you get to that point in mid to August 20th plus where it's just like, can, can they hit someone else? Everybody's <laughs> kind of talking about that. And, and you can tell they, they just want to move on to that next phase. The one thing I I've said before, and I, I like the tone that rule has set. He's, he's made it about the totality of the season ahead, not just this game right in front of him. And what I mean is he's not making it like, got to have this game like there's not this they, they have to win this game what if they don't why am i going to do yard work the rest of the the fall if i'm a husker fan if they don't win at minnesota in the past couple years and of course this is connected to it being year four and year five of frost where there's more heat on you to get it done in those seasons there was definitely this urgency and just constant talk in the air in august about they got to win the first game. What if they didn't? And I, I feel like the pressure was was pretty heavy on the guys when they went into those contests. So I do like, from a psychology standpoint, um, how they've kind of built into this. And and that, of course, is, is helped by it being the first year of a new coach where there is going to be patience, where if you lose by 10 points or something, people are going to say, okay, it's the first game. Let's see where this goes. Um, but Rule's done a good job with that tone, and I, I think it's uh, it's settled over the whole team. BC, I'm curious, you know, we don't really know what the offense is going to look like in terms of, um, you know. Oh, what makes you say that, Robbie? <laughs> specific scheme and everything. When you hear Marcus Satterfield talk about, you know, the goal being 65% completion for Jeff Sims, does that give you any indication of what you think maybe some of their past concepts look like? Or is that more of just kind of a generality, hey, it'd be nice to hit that yeah. number? No, that's a good question. I, I I think it's more of a generality the way he said it um, as to like that. That's sort of your standard number coaches. If you had to pick one out of the air, 65 is, is one you hear a lot. Um, that said, I think to hit that, that you have to have a QB who realizes um, it's not there. There's the check down. Th that's an easy completion, not just because it helps your stats. You, you don't want your quarterback looking at it that way. Um, but you, you want him viewing it as like, I get it to that fast guy. He can go get me six yards and make it second and four, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, it sounds like Sims has excelled at that. Uh, they've been pretty honest. I feel like about how practices have gone and how certain players have developed. Like you heard the other day, Satterfield say, you know, the first four or five days of camp wasn't going that hot in that category for Sims, but they really picked it up. And by the end of this this uh, practice session, this off season, he's at about that number. So that's encouraging. And I think there's optimism on that side of the ball that, Hey, we've seen everything from Tony White's defense. We've seen all these alignments and, and different coverage packages, um, whatever gets thrown at them. There's sort of a, a hope. I think that going against the guys they have and the scheme they have has prepared them to kind of handle and adjust the different things they're going to see in those first few weeks. Brian, I'm curious with the Jeff Sims thing. Um, they said Satterfield said specifically, you know, when he stopped being afraid to use his legs, that he got a lot better. How much do you think is correlated between 
Jeff Sims being willing to put pressure on the defense with his legs and his ability to keep that completion percentage where they want it. Yeah, that's always an interesting thing because you do sometimes find those QBs who they're so dedicated, and I understand it, to the art of being a passer, and I, I am this guy that mm-hmm. sometimes you've seen it at the NFL level with certain guys where they're like, they're not going to take advantage sometimes of the gifts they have when it's, you know, that plays in front of them where they could go get 10 yards. Um, so I don't know how much of a battle that's been. That was an interesting line that you cite. It suggests that at least at first there was maybe some hesitancy to run in certain spots. Mm-hmm. You could read into it that way. Um, and maybe that's changed over time. There's no question. I mean, you, when rule talks about Sims, the runner, he says like, this is a four, four guy. And whether it's four, four or not, the point is he, he he can blaze. I mean, he's a guy who can really, um, you know, has some agility too. And the thing about him as a runner, that's such an asset is he's a guy like a defensive back's going to see him coming downhill on him and be like, I don't know about this. I might, I might make a business decision (laughs) here. Um, so, that, so you do want to see some of that from Sims while also understanding, and let's go back to Big Ten media days. What did he say off to the side? He said, yeah, I am a I am a passer first. That, that's the quarterback I am. So he takes a lot of pride in that. So that that's a good question, knowing something to watch, like um, how much he wants to run um, and if that's a thing or, or not, if, if, if he's hesitant at all. BC, I want to go back on something Deshaun Singleton said. Over the weekend, he complimented the coaches saying, when they speak, everyone listens. How much does that speak not only to the culture of the newly renovated Matt Rule program, but the silent impact it also has on the players? Like, for example, like Singleton, he went on to say that like he was walking by the film room and he saw the coaches studying up without players in the room. And that just had like just such a major impact, just knowing that the coaches are there mm. and, and, and doing all the work they can to get the players ready without players actually being in the room. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a sense from quotes here and there that guys are seeing something in coaches maybe they didn't see. Uh, previously in certain aspects and that kind of came out in in a couple of those comments maybe but he Singleton also spoke just as much about um, like the senior the juniors and seniors on this team and like their voices being the kind that he respects and um, he said I'm not a follower but I know who to follow I love that quote Um, and he's he's you know Gifford has become a guy like that and um it's interesting. Some of the guys who have developed their voices under this staff, like uh, Reimer, I don't think uh, on the surface, if when you're around him, he doesn't seem like he's the most talkative guy, but I feel like he's got a big voice on that team and is not afraid to share it. And guys will listen to him. Uh, Nick Hendricks is obviously like that, but a guy like Gifford, he's really come out of left field to me as far as that sort of category of player where we're talking about him as like the alpha in the room and whatever he says, you know, guys are at attention and stuff like that. Um, I think that's a good deal when you've, you've got some, some players at the very top where um, whatever comes out of their mouth, everybody's really respecting it because, because they know these are guys who are doing it right. And if, if they're doing it this way, then I better do it that way. So th- that's what you're trying to get is that trickle-down effect. And we'll see uh, how, how far they've gotten with that and what it means as far as wins and losses and stuff. But um, I do think – I think they they feel like they're a little bit ahead of the game as far as the culture in over in that building 
um, there probably wasn't as much attrition as we thought there was going to be, honestly, this off season and stuff. When you go look at the last eight or nine months, I, I honestly thought there'd be a lot more of it. So um, some areas like that, when you kind of step back from the forest a little bit and look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, it, it's actually gone pretty smoothly in some respects. BC, I'm curious, through the fall camp with the comments that we've seen from the coaches and some of the players as well, has your expectation for the season changed at all based on what you've seen from them? We've been talking a lot about body language and and how uh, these guys carry themselves and things like that. I'm just curious if that's had any effect for you in what you're expecting this year. I don't know if it has. I, I think I, I'm in like a lot of the fans are right now. I, I, I think there's a lot of people who think like there there's really good – a good plan with the, these coaches. You kind of believe them when they talk. And yet there you are um, sort of from the last few years of watching this program sort of built to not expect things to go just right. And so until you see this team under this staff, like maybe it's next Thursday, maybe it's in the fourth quarter, it's a slug fest and Nebraska is the team who, who uh, is kind of taking down Minnesota's will in the fourth quarter and they win it by a touchdown. That's the sort of thing that will, I think, change everything for fans where they see a game or two like that, and they're like, okay, that's something that just hasn't happened around here. Um, but I've always said, like, seven and six has kind of been my sweet spot. I kind of use the bowl game as, like, my uh, out. Like, they could go seven and five in the regular season or <laughs> six and six, and somehow you get to seven and six. But that's what I'm sticking to. It's kind of what I've said all, all along. Um, I was a guy who – when the, Matt Rule was still coaching Carolina um, and Nebraska had an opening. I was one of those guys who like, man, he that'd be something if that fell into place, because I just think he's built to coach the college game. I've liked what he's done building stuff, and I, I believe he'll do pretty well here. Um, but I do think there's going to be some growing pains along the way this year. And so I don't know how far a leap they can make. We're going to know a lot more in eight days. I mean, this this is one of the great mystery Husker games of all time as they go up to Minneapolis about anything could happen in my book. BC, we had a question come through on Twitter from uh, our guy Cody, and he wants uh, to know a little bit about Chief Borders. He hasn't heard a lot about him this August. You wrote a piece on him, if I remember correctly, was back in the early parts of August. Um, where do you see him making his impact on the field? And I say it, I say it that way because you know he's not right now in line to be a starter. But where do you see Chief Borders making the biggest impact for himself and this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I see him as one of those jack linebackers uh, with MJ Sherman, Jamari Butler, probably in that category. It feels like, and the other day, um, Rule was kind of going through without naming names, like the numbers at certain spots that they felt good about. And he said, we have three jacks who are basically, you know, you, they're very close is what he was getting at. So Borders is right there in that conversation. And he's a versatile body where you could line up in a lot of different spots. I I think the way you frame the questions right, I I sort of don't feel like he's on the top line going into the season. But for a defense that wants to play, um, we've heard as many as 25 guys in waves. That means a guy like him is going to get his share of snaps throughout the season. They're going to trust some guys. And um, at first, you know, that first week, there'll be some guy you thought was going to play more and he only plays like 17 snaps. But they need him to be quality snaps where you don't feel like they dropped off a cliff when he's out there. We're talking with Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. 
Uh, BC, I'm curious. I want to switch over to the Ted Carter thing for a little bit here. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably not an overstatement to say that Matt Rule's not here without Ted Carter. Is that fair? I think it's pretty fair based off just Rule's comments that he's made. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's, he said as much, so I, I think we can say that. Um, you know, when he was getting advice from people that he trusted, uh, Ted when they heard Ted Carter was the president of Nebraska for the system, they're like, that's a pretty good deal for you, you know, to have him in that position. And um, I think Ted Carter also related, you know, they had that commonality of they had sort of crossed paths in a distant way, mm-hmm. you know, where, where he was at Navy and he had seen, he always brought Ted Carter always brought up that game where Temple just whacked Navy in 2016 or whatever it was. And so the, there was really a shared admiration there, still is, I'm sure. But um, I, I don't – it's not a small issue. I mean, they're going to have to find the right person for that chair. Oh, that's, most that, definitely. That's a monster hire. And, um, you know, it's not like it's a of like the biggest deal right in front of you right now. We're just in year one or rule. But as this thing goes along and you get into year three and four, and if he really starts to have success – um, you want him to obviously feel really good about the chain of command there. Well, what comes next, BC, uh, is really the ultimate question because, you know, as, as we sit back and reflect on how impactful President Carter has been, at least in the last month or two, I mean, the Board of Regents voted to make him the overseer of all of Husker Athletics, and now, boom, he's off and, in, 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 you know, running to go to Ohio State, which is, which is fine. We're happy for him to see him pursue that point in his career. But, like, finding that right person to oversee athletics, there's not another President Carter out there. I mean, you can maybe get close, but there's not another guy that thinks like him, has acted like him, or or is even, like, really good at matching up the left and the right and and trying to find a good uh, middle ground for everybody. Uh, I just wonder about that that decision by the Board of Regents. Do you think we'll see anything – in regards to a retraction there, or is it just going to remain the same and then whoever steps into that role is going to be the overseer? You're asking all the right questions, which we don't know yet, but they're the right right questions. Um, And when they do find or look for whoever is going to fill this spot, it does have to be somebody. Like I'm not one of those persons who's like, oh, just – just care about the athletics. Don't worry about the academics part. I mean, that's a huge job to mm-hmm. be the NU president. There's much more that goes into it than the how's it going over at the football program. But I think what Nebraska did have sort of set up with its last two presidents, and you could uh, mention Hank Bounds in this category too. He was a guy who really cared about athletics, and he always said, um, you know, it's the it, it's a doorstep to the university, and you do need a person who sees that and cause I think it's true whether you, and I'm not saying it, some people could argue, you could argue, is that a good thing or whatever, but it's true. Like it's a, and I, I've said for a long time, the university of Nebraska Lincoln will be in a much better place and it'll be kicking a lot more when that football program is rolling. It's just a fact. Like when I, I, I went to school there and I, I was uh, born and raised in Omaha and I'm not lying to you. There were kids around me who that was part of why they went to UNL was there right. was to be around that, you know, what was going on with that program and stuff like that. And then you, the academics are become a big part of it too, once you get there, but it does matter toward recruiting 
in all categories, like uh, people in your academic department, students, your enrollment, all that stuff ties into the success in some way of the football program. It really does. And you need somebody who sees that right off the bat. And if they don't, I, I don't think it's the right hire. I just don't. BC, do you think, you know, you mentioned the, uh, you know, let's say it's going well for rule three, four years down the road. Um, do you think that the leadership that he's talked about so much from Ted Carter and then from Trev Alberts, how much of that do you think will affect, I guess, how Matt Rule's tenure here goes? I mean, is it is it more disconnected than I'm thinking right now, or is it kind of more intertwined in terms of maybe how long we see Matt Rule stay here? Yeah, I, I think it's just like, it's too early to say, honestly. Sure. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where if, if you nail the next hire, um, you know, on this and, and you set it up well, it, it's fine. You know, it could be fine. There, there, there are there are really capable people who could fill that role and uh, maybe step into sort of what Ted Carter was doing. You know, four or five years ago, nobody in Nebraska knew who Ted Carter was, sure. you know, like so. So he, he he comes on the scene and he he obviously more just as impactful, honestly, as his relationship with rule was his relationship, I believe, with Trev Alberts. I think he he really saw something in Trev um, when it came time to hire the athletic director, you know, a couple of years ago. So um, he, he's been very meaningful as far as I think two monster hires for the future of Husker athletics and football. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what the next twist and turn is going to be. It is, it's something though, that I don't think you just push to the side and act like a oh, big deal. Um, I know there, there's sometimes the want to do that, but I, I think it, it's, I think it does matter. And this is going to be a very critical hire. It would be anyway, you're hiring the NU president. I don't want to diminish how big a deal that is in mm -hmm. itself, but we, we, we all know that, um, you know, they, you do need that stabilizing force at the top. Um, when it comes to athletics, too, because we've heard so many football coaches, whether they've done good or bad here, talk about you have to have that right. Like you have to have that chain of command in place that they feel good about. Otherwise, uh, things at some point do fall apart. BC, I'll get you out of here on this. If there's one thing on on your sheet, on your checklist that has to go right for you to feel comfortable with, hey, no matter how the Minnesota game turns out, this was progress. What is that in your mind? Um, it's a it's a very competitive O line, and I don't know exactly how you categorize that, but it's sort of one of those things you you guys know it when you see it. Nebraskans know know it when they see it. It's a group that I'm not saying the first or second series in an emotional game like that where Minnesota's all fired up on their home turf. You're not going to go three and out or have to deal with some of that. There's going to be adversity. But it, you're hoping um, it's it's one of those deals where, okay, it's time to run the ball. They can they can actually get their horns out and and have some series where you're like, okay, there, there's five yards, there's four yards, you know, and you're just you're kind of watching it go downhill a bit. Um, that would be that would give me loads of encouragement just to see that. Um, and I don't mind also if it's a game where Nebraska beats their head against the wall a little bit, but at some point you see it start to crack a little bit and there, and there, there it is, you know, you start to get something from it. So um, that's the biggest thing to me. It's going to be a trenches game. Minnesota has won these alleyway fights with Nebraska the three years, last three years. There's no other way to spin it. 
and that's what this game will be. And you heard Rule say it last week. He was actually talking about the receivers and freshmen possibly playing, and he said this is going to be a grown man game. You know, this is going to be uh, – this is this is a game for 21, 22-year-old guys who have been around the block a little bit. May, maybe some – who knows, maybe an 18-year-old will step up and catch the – you know, winning touchdown or something, but I in the trenches, the I, I just want to see Nebraska be ready to slug. BC, we appreciate the time, man. Always great stuff. Enjoy the week. Again, eight days away uh, away, so I'm sure the excitement is still building for you. Yeah, sounds good. Next week, all my bag packed right here next to me as I get ready to head out <laughs> the floor. Time. That's Brian Christopherson. Have a great day, man. Yep. You. You too, guys. Thanks, BC. Senior writer at Husker 24-7 at Husker 24-7 BC on Twitter. When we come back, we are talking to another guy out in Lincoln, Kevin Suits. He's the sports director at 10-11 now. A little bit of high school football, a little bit of Nebraska. That's next.